Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events and cultural issues through the lens of the Christian worldview. But as all lenses have a prismatic effect, today we'll be looking at different avenues or different uh, thought paths, pathologies of the Christian worldview. Today to my right, I've got Jennifer. How are you? Alone. Alone. <laughs> You're feeling alone. It, it's rainy weather outside yes. and everyone's stuck in traffic. Yes. So so right now, she and I are the only two in studio at the moment, but uh, how's your day going? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good for, for, for a rainy day. I love rainy weather. You We've like rainy this weather? conversation before. Anyway. I, I, I like rainy weather when I'm not in it. No, opposite. You like to be in the rain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that segues very poorly into which, which <laughs> yeah. chair are you going to be sitting in Has today, Jennifer? Has nothing to do with politics. Politics. Rainy weather and politics. I'm kidding. I'm not going to try to philosophize those two in, which will be the chair that I'm sitting <laughs> in today, the chair of philosophy. So Oof. dealing with the Christian, uh, Christian nature of, of, of our political uh, uh, system, look, at the end of the day, if your Christianity does not shape your politics and does not shape your government, then let me say that you might not be self-approved. And if you are not thinking, please think about why you believe what you believe. If you're not doing those things, then um, may I humbly suggest that, that you look into it. Uh, also, the chairs of uh, economics and theology and culture will be open for for hitting up. We've got two people who are late coming in. They might be in, they might not. But for now, if you've read the title of this and you're not sufficiently offended enough, uh, <laughs> let me go ahead and say, actually, I, I, I think there is such a thing as a moral or a an empire that is acting morally, but it's incredibly rare. Imperialism, I would argue, is amoral, but we'll get into why later. Suffice it to say, a lot of evil has been done on the name, in the name of empires. But before we get into it, let's go ahead and kind of define and lay down what an empire is. And, and I've got a great link here, link in the description for those of you who are following along. This is a, a great little article from uh, studentsofhistory.com. Uh, and it, it talks about the forms of colonialism and imperialism, and it lays out three different versions and i'm not going to go too deep into the article but it effectively lays out colonialism protectorate uh uh i can't say protectoratism but protectorate uh empires where where the well we'll get into the moment and then spheres of influence so colonies are direct appendages of the nation that is that is uh, controlling them and usually the delineation is a land or sea barrier uh, and colonialism is probably the best known version of imperialism. Protectorate um, imperialism, a lot more like the UK with Canada and Australia, where you have a protectorate. It's under underneath the rule, but there there is a local government. It is more or less in power, but they still have say, uh, have to say they still have to follow Lockney's step with the mother country. And then, of course, there's a sphere of influence, which is really interesting. One of the earliest spheres of influence uh, the United States established, along with uh, the UK, France, Germany, and Russia, in the turn of the century, last century, uh, in 1899, we ha- created this open-door policy in China, 
or be carved up spheres of influence. Some of those have lasted all the way up until the 21st century with Hong Kong, right? And there's still some, some modicum of that going on, but China's more or less become its own, own nation. But that is, is some of the different versions of, of uh, imperialism. I would, spoiler alert, I would, I would actually say that spheres of influence want to call that still an empire. That's not inherently corrupt, necessarily. It can be corrupt, but it's not inherently corrupt. And Jennifer, just to kind of hone in a little bit further, uh, there's a great uh, article from Vitania.org. wanted to hit that up. Yeah, so it just gives a, a pretty short article and just gives a very general list of some pros and cons as far as imperialism generally. and. Um, just a, a brief summary of, of the pros that it lists is uh, developing countries can gain access to new technologies. It can improve healthcare access. Uh, it can improve like agricultural advancements, open up new markets for the um, you know, so-called colonized or imperialized country. Um, it can offer defense for that country. Um, and then it also mentions that for the country that is the, you know, the the ruling country, so to speak, it can also expose them to new cultures and ethnicities like that. So this is a, a very brief overview of, of the pros and not every empire would hit all of them. Um, I, I would say that I don't think that I can't think of a specific empire that hit all of them necessarily. Um Although I could be wrong about that. I'm not an expert on history. But yeah, one it's just could a, argue. One could one argue. Way or the other. Sure. But that's a, just a brief summary of what they're saying. Could be some pros as far as imperialism. And then, of course, the cons. And Vitania.org has, has a nice list. It's not necessarily exhaustive, but it is an interesting look. Imperialism almost always creates conflict, they say. I would say that in general, you're going to have conflict across the board. Uh, that, that, that is unfortunately. Expectation is much easier through imperialistic process. Lack of representation. Serious, serious issue. In fact, that's off the British Empire here. It can be expensive uh, process to pursue. Absolutely. And again, usually they offset the costs with the exploitation. Colonize. Uh, imperialism creates conflict among strong. Again, kind of a rehash there. Changes spiritual beliefs of local population. Uh, not necessarily good or bad. Interesting fact that discrimination is often formed through imperialism. Imperialism spreads slavery. This is uh, uh, definitely true when you have an evil empire that is spreading its influence and it has slavery with it. It'll do that. And by the way, British Empire, as as moderate as it was, still committed an immense amount of evil. And by the way, I, I will say there's an argument, there's an argument to be made that America did not handle herself well in the first 100, 150 years of her quote-unquote imperialistic growth. I, I have sympathy for some of those arguments. I want to be careful how I say that America is somehow worse than nations in Africa, in Europe, in, in Asia, that are still actively conquering each other. 
Uh, and then, of course, it can spread disease. Europeans definitely spread. But again, that all happens, whether it's an empire or not. It eliminates cultures. Cultural, uh, culture erasure can be a bad thing. Uh, not all cultures are created equal, but bad thing. So those are some of the some of the complaints on both, uh, you know, complaints on this side, and then of course Jennifer's giving you the pros. But there's also really an interesting article from the Atlantic of all places in defense of empire. Yeah. So this one goes into uh, it gives some pretty interesting specific examples that you want to read, but I think the the um, main takeaway from this one can be summarized in this quote from the article. Imperialism is now seen by global elites as altogether evil. Despite empires having offered the most benign form of order for thousands of years, keeping the anarchy of ethnic, tribal, and sectarian warbands to a reasonable minimum. Compared with imperialism, democracy is a new and uncertain phenomenon. So this article really hones in on that and, and goes into the fact that while imperialism does have its dark moments, there's absolutely no denying that, their argument essentially is dark moments are inevitable and imperialism by and large was the less the less of the darkness compared to the um, you know, we mentioned how Africa and other countries, you know, in sort of the Middle East, even, are just absolutely chaos. So you would almost it almost makes you wonder if there's a system that has brought peace to the world more so than than any of the relative system. Relative peace. Yeah, absolutely, relative peace. Yeah. If it's brought more peace to the world than any other system. Wouldn't you want to look at positive lights? Say, how about how about imperial democracy? Is that possible? That's an that's an interesting question. And so, and it's been one that's been playing out in the late twentieth century and the early twenty first century. Here, we've been watching it play out with the American, if you want to say, uh, American imperialism. I forget who the quote was, but there was someone says uh, we don't empire. Uh, he was a, an American uh, statesman, but in a way, after World War II, what did we do with Japan and Germany? We left a military contingent there. We left military military contingents all over the world. Some we, people will call that imperialism, could and be. they do. Yeah, a lot but, of people do, but. But here's the question: Have 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 we subjugated Germany or Japan? Uh, no, I would say uh, by and large, not at all. Not in the grand scheme. I'm sure somebody out there will present an argument to say that we have in some way, but I would be very. Um, As, I, I would take that with a very large grain of salt. I, I would ask them the and, question, have, has any other nation done as well mm -hmm. as Japan or Germany under the subjugation <laughs> of an empire? Yes. Well, so I, I think that where a lot of people's problems are coming from is now in, in our current world, we've, we've really lost the foundation of biblical truth. And I think one of the fundamental tenets of biblical truth is that man is essentially sinful. So, you know, there, there's going, you know, we're in a fallen world. We're not going to achieve perfection while we're here on earth. 
So I think that a lot of people are looking for a utopian system and they're comparing what we have to the utopian ideal that is unequivocally unachievable. They want heaven on earth. Yes. And I think what you said earlier as you know, imperialism is the system that has brought the most prosperity with the least conflict. That doesn't mean that there wasn't conflict. That doesn't mean that there wasn't horrendous crimes against other people and because nations. Because men are still in the system. Yes, exactly. And and I definitely don't want to put forth an argument that is along the lines of like the ends justifying the means. I'm not saying that because imperialism has produced some benefits that that in some way justifies the uh, wrongdoings, the evil. Let, uh, but let us be clear, you know, British massacres in Africa and India, yes. bad. But uh, I think that those two things are essentially separate in imperialism. I don't think that you necessarily have to have the evil of imperialism to get the benefits of imperialism. And I think that distinguishes the argument we're making from and ends justifying the means argument. Absolutely. But here's the thing. With any sort of power, often comes corruption is what a lot of people will say. And mm -hmm. again, I'll talk about the British. I'll talk about the Americans for a moment. Little Bighorn, uh, Trail of Tears, bad. By the way, Liberal Christian Democrats. Now, I, not to kick <laughs> too much dirt, but those were the people who were in charge who instituted that. Sure. People who were, who were in favor of slaveholding because they had twisted God's word to say that those people were less. They were like the children of Cain or, or, or all these crazy lies yeah. that were told. So it, just to be clear there, but could it be that an American empire although imperfect and ultimately filled with men who are, whose hearts are ultimately evil, uh, would it be that that's the best system? And before you answer the question, let me ask you another question. Mm -hmm. Are there other people seeking to build their own empire, other nations seeking to build their own empire right now? Absolutely. I think. What, what's the one that comes to mind? Islam. I think, okay. I think Islam is the one that comes to my mind. I mean, that... Anyone who doubts that they want to essentially take over um, wherever that they are, wherever they are, wherever they're spreading to, I think they're just wishful thinking on your part to say that that that's not their ultimate goal. Explicitly stated and clearly evidenced anywhere where they become a majority. Absolutely. And by the way, I, I was actually not at all going that direction. I was going to China, but she's that not too. wrong. She's not that wrong. Too. When you deal with, with, <laughs> hi, Josh. Josh just walks into the studio. Yay. He's like, hey, yo, I'm chewing my gum. How's it going? Breaking all the rules. Don't chew into the microphone. <laughs> how, was, how was traffic? Traffic was okay. okay. But when I got home, I had to get some stuff handled, got it handled. Now I'm glad to be here for today's podcast. Yay. Okay. Well, hey, we're glad you're here. We're talking about imperialism, like we said in the, in the mm. show now. So taking over. We've, 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 read, we've read the three articles. I don't know if you've had a chance to read those, uh, the, the, those articles, but we read those articles and we're, we're digging into imperialism mm. right now. So, brief summary imperialism may not be inherently evil though it has committed evil because men are inherently sinful 
That's sort of the basic argument if, that we've presented. If you were so to far. take, if you were to take a, a, an experiment like the American experiment, for example, and put godly Christian values so that when nations do evil and good people come in and topple them, there's restraint. Like we, we, we talked about Germany and Japan. We conquered Germany and Japan, and we actually mil we put military bases all over Europe. But is there a single nation that says that they cannot rule themselves? Or let, let me rephrase this. Has any other nation prospered as well or been as free under American conquering, for example, like Japan? Like, does, does Japan look like all the nations that were erased by Greece, by Rome, by the Ottoman Empire? No, there's still a entirely free nation. In fact, we've turned our enemy into a pseudo-ally of, of sorts. But that only happens when there's the restraint of the Holy Spirit. If you do not have a godly influence in the nation that is conquered, it's going to look like every other evil empire, like Russia, like uh, the Ottomans, like Greece, like Rome. So we're, 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 we're kind of digging into it. Only thing I'd push back on that is I would say that, Amer I mean, obviously America is not restrictive on freedom as those countries are, but I would say that immoral in its own way. Oh, America is not way. perfect, and and the moral. Well, I'd decay, say it's not. It's far from perfect. Very, very far. America, and here here would be here would be my my agreement with a hard line, and that that I agree with you up to this one point. America is the best nation that has ever existed, only because it was founded by men who understood man human nature. If you read the Federalist. Uh, I, I, I forget, I think this was, was it's Madison or Jefferson, he said, if, uh, if angels, or, or if, if men were angels, we would need no government. And if angels governed, there would be no, no reason to put restriction on them. Therefore, as we try to create and found a government, we have to create one that's obligated to measure and muzzle itself. That only works with a godly group of people. So that our, our nation was founded understanding man's depravity. And we, we, we talked about Little Big Horn, Trail of Tears. We've, we, we've, we've already talked about that. We said that there's an argument to be made, and I'm, and I'm not unsympathetic to it, that the first half of America's journey creating you know, uh, the, the United States of America, the 50 states, that there were some horrible atrocities made in the name of creating that. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not necessarily going to argue against that. I would even argue that we still today commit atrocities. I mean, the our previous several discussions on abortion. It, yeah, yes, we're, we're not trying to separate America from the evils that it has and is continuing to commit. But, and I sort of said this before, is I don't think that the evils of imperialism or or the nation are inextricably tied to the benefits of imperialism i think you can there is a way that we can have one without necessarily tying it to the other well the, I, I also would say that the beautiful thing about this country is that we have people who can have sound theology 
and that we have people who can have sound doctrine. But I will say that I am reminded of the passage in Revelations that speaks about the church being spit out because it was lukewarm. And I think something that is bad about... So when you look at those countries, they're just outwardly hateful to God. They just don't want God. But me and Jennifer were having this conversation on Monday. You know, it's funny. The people who don't believe God and who come to you with questions, the people at least that I meet, they're very genuine in, in, in wanting to know what the answers to these questions are. Mm-hmm. The people that think they know everything about the word of God and think they know the God, that think they know everything about it. Whenever those people ask me a question and I give them an answer, they say, well, no, it's not that. They already have an they answer. They already have an answer. And so it, the thing it is. It's better for them to have never heard. And, and is it's that Second Peter yeah. uh, two twenty three. It would have been better for them to have never heard because they know everything. The word epigonosco, because they know everything about Christ. Mm-hmm. It would have been better for them not to have known. And I agree that America has been inoculated, but to, to kind of distill it down, or 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 did, did you have a thought that in a, in a direction mm-hmm. you wanted to go, wanted to distill it down and, and pull it back back in. to the imperial, because. Here's, here's the question is, Islam wants to make an empire. China has been very clear that they fully intend to make an empire. And, you know, you should see the way they, they run their system. We were debating maybe next week, not promising, but maybe next week we'll be talking about social credit scores. Uh, see how that's worked out in China. Yeah. I want to see their rule all over the world. I, I, by the way, I think I, have, I think I have an answer. I think I have a distilled point to me about imperialism and specifically in relation to a country let's talk about a country like japan Hmm. where they have benefited for having freedom from from american imperialism but i guess the aim in imperialism you have to ask yourself what is the aim Mm -hmm. if it is it peace or is it subjugation well also i would say and this is where i guess we we as christians would step in and we would say now is it actually creating a sound god that creating a, a culture that is accepting to a sound gospel and in a sound doctrine and if you look in japan i would say that that has been a drastic failure in that regard because that country is one of the most atheistic countries on the planet yeah I think oh i would say we, that, as, that the church has really failed yeah to be a good uh, a good outreach we as christians in america were given and still are given a huge opportunity to use secular American imperialism, purely political imperialism, as a wide open door into these yeah, places. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 it's have, sad. and, and I want to say that that's what's the sad reality of the matter is that is, is it beneficial? Mm-hmm. By, by all means, I would say it gives a country the benefits of America. It, it, you, without, you get those benefits. Without actually destroying them because yeah. – Japan, you, you've got to remember, Japan would take soldiers, and if you have kids in the room, chew them out for a second, because I'm going to say some nasty stuff. They would dismember soldiers from enemy mm-hmm. units. They would take off pieces of their body parts and shove them in the slit open throat of the of the dead enemy. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking brutal, evil, brutal, yeah. brutal stuff. Now, now, American soldiers do stuff like this sometimes, but that's the exception this was the rule. It was a terror tactic that was often done. So Japan was a vile, vile nation when it comes to how they treated other people. 
they did stuff that was unheard. You know, when you talk about uh, a, a, a sort of gentleman's rules of war that there was in Europe, there was nothing like that in Japan. And yeah, so, I think we've and, romanticized Japan a lot with like the the samurai culture. But sa samurai culture is brutal. Was, yeah, it, it's not. So, what and, people and, think and it so is. when we stamped them out, we had two options: we could destroy them or subjugate them, or do what we did. And no other nation has ever done that. And and that's where from a and by the way, I, Josh, I'm just assuming are are you sliding into the chair of theology more or culture today? I think I'm okay with. I, I might just take a dip in both, but okay. but so I'll just take a dip in both for the sake because we're short on people. Yeah, and so it's. I think I'm okay with doing that. I would say so. If the question is is imperialism immoral, immoral. I would say it's immoral if the motive is immoral. And that might say that sounds crazy, but let me explain it's that. A, it's amoral. And it's often been used immorally. Would you agree with that? It's, it's, it, it has no it has no moral value. It's a neutral. Oh yeah, but yeah, for sure. I would say that that's the case with a lot of stuff, though. That's like the case with a lot of ideas. Yeah. But you see, that's the thing. And people need to break that down to understand why we need to understand why it's amoral, and then what has been done that's immoral. Yeah, and so the immoral. Well, I mean. Immoral. I mean, this sounds crazy, but the immoral part. But it's true. It's biblical. The immoral part is the fact that people are operating it, and specifically, it's people whose aim is not to produce a more Christ-like nation. Yeah. But it's a it's an aim of. I'm not going to say control. That's not the word I'm looking for. Somebody help me here. What's the word I'm looking for? Um. I want to say I want to say freedom. Honestly, like a, like a, but it's like a different type of freedom. It's not the, it's a, I'd say a, demo, a democracy. Do I want to say democracy? Restate the question. Like the aim of like the aim, like when run by flawed people, it's not to create a Chris, more Christian nation. It's, to no, create it's, it's not to create, it, it, it's not it's, to create prosperity. It's to create pro, for all. It's to create prosperity for a few. Yeah, I, I think that it, it would be. The way I'm hearing it is it's not to create a Christian nation. It's to extend the imperialistic yeah, that's more sphere so of influence. And if that benefits the country that they're now controlling, Ooh. then, then you know, all, all the better. Jennifer just knocked it out of the park. Finish that thought. Yeah, that was that was my thought. So so it's not the question is the question is back to the chair of philosophy here. The question is not is not uh, uh, is it moral or immoral? It's who are you glorifying? Well, I like okay, I like that. Who who are you trying to glorify? Are you trying to bring God's freedoms to other people? With, and by the way, by the way, you have the obligation after that to be a good disciple and evangelizing group. But but on, on a purely political, is that? Is your intent to glorify God or is it to harm and glorify yourself? Sure, I, I think harm others, glorify yourself. Pure, purely politically, I think you're 100% right that America is very unique in how they have gone about imperialism. And purely politically, American imperialism is, I would say, as close to moral as a purely political standpoint can get. Although, by and large, I think that we have failed in terms of our christian oh i agree a hundred percent moving over to the chair of culture 
I want you to pick that up for a second and, and, and run with it. If we have a political system that furthers the gospel and, and we have this opportunity, if Paul had had America to run, and, and by the way, God, God used the Roman Empire and all the infrastructure that they built to, to blow up the gospel but, and just throw it out to the nations. But if, if, if Paul had America to spread the culture and the message of Christ— or to, think, to create an environment where he could spread yeah. the gospel of Christ. What do you think, how much faster do you think it would Ooh, be? I, I would actually contend that I don't think it would have been faster. I actually would have contended I think it would have been a lot less effective. Because I think when you look at the times in which the church has grown the most, it was in the times of persecution. Mm, mm. Historically, it has been, though. I understand what you're saying, and, and there's a lot of value in that. Like I personally think that one of the biggest things that would probably benefit the church in America, and I mean, I, do, I mean, it would stink, but uh, be a wake-up call for sure to, to Christians is persecution. Yeah, I think, I think I'm actually a lot more sympathetic to that argument than where John Arthur is going. I, 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 re- I do believe. I think America has provided an opportunity. Here, here's the thing. It's shown the church to be lacking. I, I think that America, when it had a group of people who were sound theologically, sound biblically, it, it produced a much better culture than we had seen previously. But I also think that it, it also inevitably, because of the fallen nature of man, leads to what we see today, which is the... So, so, so Absolute I agree with what you're saying. You're 100% correct. And you're missing something. Okay. The missionary movement that happened in the late 1800s all the way through the mid 1900s. There was a missionary movement that was mm-hmm. impacting the 1040 window in a way that the unreached, for those of you who don't know, the 1040 window mm-hmm. is that's a, that's a 10 by 40 latitude, longitude over Africa, Middle East, unreached people groups. That was the golden era of missionary. And, and, and this isn't to say that anything that Paul did or anyone in between wasn't. I'm saying we were sending the not gospel of Christ to nowhere else, that, that, or put, put nowhere. So I guess, so I guess what I'm, I'm getting from this is that the, the American culture creates an opportunity for missionaries to go into hostile environments where the gospel spreads. But that culture, be, because of its very nature, inevitably leads to the downfall well, that we've seen. I good, think I think it's a bit of yeah. A and good I would times say, breed bad or weak men. Yeah. I would say that the, another thing to consider is the fact that in America you have the opportunity for a lot of different things. Like the fact is, mm-hmm. you get the freedom of opportunity, yeah. and that's a that's a wonderful blessing. But but. Do you succeed the most when you have a freedom of opportunity? I just don't think historically when you look at it, you have that, that the church succeeds in those times. So let me, l- let me temper that because you're not wrong that the church doesn't grow exponentially under the pressure. However, I will say that America has, and, and, and we're, we're, we're way south of topic right now, but that's fine. Um, America has provided the the wealth of America and the stability that America has created has created an opportunity for a missionary movement that no one else was able to accomplish. 
the Brits did something pretty close, but but uh, I shouldn't say even pretty close. They did a lot, but America absolutely exploded the missionary movement. Now it also grew the weakness that you're talking about. Well, that's, and I guess that's, that'd be another question: is like, how do you measure success in a missionary movement like that? So when you're talking about imperialism, you're not going to be talking about the success of missionaryism, and maybe we should talk about Christian imperialism, because at the end of the day, whose whose empire is going to win? If you want to be so so crude well, as to coin, at at the end of everything, obviously it's it is the Lord. Someone is going to rule. Yes. The question is who, and what, and and whose people will be ruling. So the, 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 the issue that I think you're really digging at, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. is that even though we had all of this opportunity, we had this stability, we had this open window, an open door. We're just squandering it. We squandered a lot of it. And, and, and especially in the last 60 to 80 years, it's been abysmally squandered. And, and, and I think... And I guess this is why I, if you if you hear me talk personally and we have conversations all the time, why I'm so opposed to like the current infrastructure is because the infrastructure is left over from a time that was lukewarm. And it's a t- and the infrastructure of what? Just like ch- the way like churches. Churches. OK. I say like the infrastructure of just churches as a whole. You got to make sure that you. I mean, mind you, there's some. Talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry about that. Roads are never mind. Roads. No, no, no. But the infrastructure of churches. Let me. Uh, the ecclesiology or the. What the right word? Ecclesiology. Yes, the, yes, I think. Yeah, the, the ecclesiology. There's a better word for that, but ecclesiology of. Uh, the yeah that it the has been the structure of churches has not been. Biblical, like first century, executed. We're not to, following the, yeah, the we're biblical following formula. It. We're following the formula of, you know, the last uh, 60 Warren, years. Warren, what's his name? Warren. Rick, Rick Warren's How to Run Your Church Like a Business. By the way, I, very unpopular opinion. I know I'm going to tick a lot of people off, one or two of them potentially in this room. But Rick Warren, Rick Warren, right, the, that man says stuff. It, it has this ideology that you run a church like a business, and I'm sorry, you don't. You run a church like you do a first century New Testament church. And can I tell you that, that. that do you, you want me to tell you what's wild? Is that whenever I was in college, and I was in, and I, I, I'll just let you guys know, I went to a Baptist college. Whenever I was in college, I remember he, it was one of my professors. I love this professor, but the way he talked about church, he's like, yeah, you have to have a differentiator. You have to be different. I'm like, yeah, you do have to diff- have a differentiator. The the real Bible, the Bible, like the spirit, the, this the is the word of God. Is the differentiator. The spirit is the differentiator. Is I'm like, what 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 are we like? What do you mean? Like, oh yeah, we have to play this to type of music. Different to we have to play this church. type of music. We have to have this type of preacher. We have to have this type of. And I'm like, if you measure the effectiveness of of your ministry by the types of things that you have, and not by the movement of the spirit, the biblical ooh. standard. So tough times. We've gone super south of topic, but that's okay. Mr. Charlie has just walked in. Uh, and also, so has Miss Nikki. How's it going tonight, Mr. Charlie? Uh, good. Um, we've been running, getting a vehicle. 
But you know that, that was a that was a very interesting um, little discussion right there. And, and I would say this: I think we need to be careful because running a, a church like a business is a broad stroke. There are aspects that you do need. You need to keep an account and be and be good right. yes. good stewards. Yep. But overall, I would agree with you that that's not because what is a business about? Business is about profit. A business is about numbers. I I would agree with that. We we should be in the business of numbers, but not so much from the aspect of of uh, trying to just get numbers. What you guys are talking about is spot on. It's ministry. It's movement of the spirit. So, and I, I 100% agree, Miss Nikki. I don't know if you want to chime in or if you have something to say specifically about that. I I like the phrase "treat your uh, church like a business." No, I'm going to tell oh, you right now. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, so we're I work- talking about imperialism today, but for right now, we we're detouring <laughs> over to treating your church like a business. Wait, we're we're detouring. We don't we're detouring. Have- <laughs> we're way detouring. How here. long do we have? <laughs> well, let me also, can I go, I don't, did you guys do a thing on defining imperialism? We did. We, we, we. Okay. Okay. Because it. it's a, it, it's really interesting when you look at the definition of it. Agreed. And boy, when you see the, the liberal left and the progressives using that word, another one of those instances where they've hijacked a term. Yeah. If you, 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 you have to re- restructure what the word meant to call America and and, and those fears of influence imperialism is what America has really been doing in the past hundred years and I I would my argument over here from the chair of philosophy would be that that is probably the most that is the least of the evils and when done by a godly Christian nation it is the best thing that has ever happened to this world. However, politically, yes, Jesus aside, you know, other things right. aside, right? But I'm saying politically, it's the best thing that's ever happened to this world. These nations, Japan and Germany, being conquered by America was the best thing that ever happened to them. And 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 I'm I'm not I'm not negating, you know, uh, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I'm saying those were evil, awful, awful moments. Uh, I would say that what we did, we did, we had to do. Uh, but can you imagine Japan if they had had if they had had success? In if that they war? had won, if they had won, there's a great that'd, book. That'd be scary. There's a great book, Man in a High Castle. Really interesting. They made an Amazon series out of it. Totally botched it. Uh, but 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 um, anyway, so America has absolutely taken every nation that they have conquered and they've turned them into allies. No other nation has done that. So so when you say imperialism's immoral, I. So, all right, so far, just bring it to speed. I would say that's not, it's not, it's a, imperialism is amoral. The question is, is who are, who is the nation trying to glorify? That's the question. Who's the nation trying to glorify itself or God? And that will define it. And then Josh, Josh has a particular dislike, has, has a particular dislike for the, for the American church. And, and I understand where he's coming from. And that's how we got into into that, that well, particular tangent. And let me just say one thing on that. I've I've said to people here in our church that I've said this five years ago. Young people today are not going to do church the same way that we're doing it. That was spoken five years ago. And I'm telling you, every day that goes by, I'm seeing more and more movement away from a traditional way 
doing church. Well, it, now it's so here's the byproduct of that question of or not that question, but that statement. So they're not going to do church the same way. So they're either going to do church one of two ways. They're either going to go back to a more biblical foundation for which to build their mm-hmm. their structures or or like what we've seen with the culture in America on toward a more casual progressive copy paste re- religion yeah mm. something that's spiritualized that copy and paste by the way from the culture from the american like earthly culture absolutely <laughs> so I, I i agree with the wretch um <laughs> Miss Nikki, <laughs> you're sitting there sweltering do you have something you want to say well, if you, do you want to go back to the treating your church like a business? Um, a business has to treat their customers in a, a very specific way. Um, I like to call the company that I work for a customer-centered business. And what I mean by that is we need to make you successful so we can be successful. So as a Christian, I need to look at those who are coming in to give them the right information how to be successful in their walk with the Lord. If I can do that, disciple them, then they can be successful in their walk with the Lord. So those are the kind of things that I like about treating it like a business. That That goes to my point of being broad stroke. That rubs me really. Ru- I, you're, you're correct. I agree with. I agree with the exact sentiment that you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. I agree. Let me let, let me explain how that verbiage rubs me down the, the up the mm-hmm. hackles on, on my neck. Uh, we need to be Christ centered, and I know you weren't saying that. You were saying in our Christ centered mentality, we need yes. to act like Christ and reach out to people. Mm-hmm. Talk to the woman at the well, talk to the Pharisee, and talk to the blind man all in different ways to meet them where they are, to meet them where they are. That 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 uh, that tax collector, Matthew, had to be spoken to differently than Luke did. Well, okay, okay, so now let me go to the salesmen at our company. What are they doing? They're reaching out to manufacturing companies saying, hey, what I have can help you. Whereas Christian, we can say, hey, what I have can help you. Let me show you. And, and, and <sighs> I, I almost feel like you're not even describing, uh, you're using business terms, but to me it sounds much more like almost, like, I think a better analogy for me is almost like a, like a military train. Like we are here to train to go out into the world. Well, I, don't, I don't think we're here to uh, disciple. You, we're here to disciple. Yeah. No, I would disagree with that. The purpose of the local New Testament church is to equip Yes. That and is what disciple. its job is to do. So I, I think a, and that's equip what, and, and that's train what Jennifer is, yes. is a, a... And then they go out and evangelize. Well, sure. Then they go out and disciple. Well, that's what I... When, yeah. when I said train yes. to go out, that's kind of what I But discipling is yeah. training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I I guess we're just splitting hairs at this point. Is I, I would just not use business language to describe it. But that's probably just because I'm not in like a business field, so I don't have that sort of mindset. There's interesting points that she's making, and and I understand that, but I go back to what I said a moment ago, and that is this. We have to be careful when we use that phrase because it's painted with a very broad stroke. And people in the conversation must understand. Define your terms. the term. That's exactly right. Define your terms. Always define your terms. And that's that's where, because I know, Miss Nikki, I know exactly where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. I understand exactly where she's coming from. But I've also, rather, let me say it this way. And I've heard people using the exact same words 
to meet to talk about seeker-friendly churches. Mm-hmm. Seeker-friendly churches have no business existing. You, you mm-hmm. some people say, "Oh, that's too deep for the people in the pew." Oh my gosh, Charles Spurgeon and and some of these other folks, oh they they were they they just had the to be in, in the pulpit and they were speaking this huge they were laying these th- theologically deep concepts on the table but in a way that was approachable from any aspect and people are getting saved from all sorts i you know i talk to people i've heard people who got saved by ecclesiastes okay you some people say well you should only teach like the the epistles about behind the pulpit Horse feathers. Wow. Well, you know that you know what the thing is though, too. I mean, this P. I mean, I've been reading this book, Pete Ezadaria, but that when that quote I posted in the chat, I thought, or that paragraph, I thought summed it up pretty well. And the thing that was so great about Charles Spurgeon and giving this great knowledge to the people and equipping those people with that knowledge was that it wasn't with the intent of just purely equipping those people with the knowledge. It was equipping those people and letting those people know about the love of God. And I guess that's the big thing is, is it going to spur you towards a greater love for God or is it going to spur, spur you just towards a greater love for self and just your knowledge, your your personal knowledge? Okay. And so, so if I could read this quote. Go I, ahead. Yeah. My apologies. And I just wanted to read this quote and it was from here and it was talking about Paul's Paul's letter to the Corinthians and about how Paul wouldn't understand a lot of like these people in the 1600s, like high, haughty talk of just theology. And he said this, he said, my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that was first Corinthians two, four through five. And then here's the quote. Indeed, we may say that the highly enlightened apostle, if he came among us today, would probably understand only a little of what our slippery geniuses sometimes say in holy places. This means that he derived his knowledge, not from human ingenuity, but from the illumination of the spirit and these are as far removed from each other as heaven is from earth. As little as divine illumination can be grasped by, by human ingenuity, so little can souls filled with divine illumination comfortably stoop to the feeble fantasies of human ingenuity. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. <laughs> so you got to digest that paragraph. Absolutely. But part of the problem is, is that we, we have this, this intelligentsia, if you will, in in the seminary mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. says that you have yes. to be this intelligent so to, to read and, and and by the way I, i've had people go come up to me ah oh, sonny you're so smart you should go and be a preacher Stop, don't do and, that and, please and and my my, my 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 response to them is is like a no i'm i'm not that intelligent and b everyone sh- as such everyone should be smarter than me you should be much smarter than me at your age that's compared you know what that is that's the that's the problem with the church in america is that it's comparative to you're com- we're all comparing ourselves like in that statement that's a comparison to themselves they're comparing them to everybody else around us the other fallen but, creatures but here's the thing how do you stay or how do you line up whenever you compare yourself against the standard that is get the standard of the bible I think you will find that we all come up drastically short. And and, and Christ said it this way. You you shouldn't be saying, good for me. I did what I was told. You should be on your knees weeping and wailing. Woe is me, for I've only done what I've been told to do. Mm. Fine words. Why don't we have have that? Now, (laughs) 
we've really gone south of topic. Well, but it, you know, I, I think this is really important to talk about. But not only that, think about this, and let's pull it back to the colonialism, imperialism thing. It's an interesting point that you brought up that somebody's going to rule. Someone's going to rule, so whether it's, it's Islam happen. or whether it's Chi a communist China. Now. Communist Russia. We kicked them to the curb. With, with respect to, to, to us as Christians, what should we be standing up for? Well, Christ first and foremost. But how about the ways of the word that allow those, those kind of ideas to work? And America has been that. And I'm not, I would never advocate that America should dominate the world. I would not. I would say that there are things that every country should allow its people to have, the freedoms that it should have. And they don't. And they end up in conflict. They end up in wars because of it. I'm I'm kind of a radical where I would say I, I really want us to like as like like Christian mm -hmm. imperialism, if, if I could put it anyway, like what John Arthur says. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, I'm not saying it's like, yep. oh, yeah, we're good. I'm not talking about like a state church deal from the not a theocracy from, from like the 1400s, 1500s, like 1800s forward. I'm not talking about like when the when that when the state church was like, oh, yeah, you don't believe this. We're killing you right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about that. By but the way, am, by the way, not not a good look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the one way, could say. Yeah, not not a good look at all. But more so just that type of influence and that type of seriousness about spreading that culture. I think Barbara Bush said it best. And I'm talking about uh W's wife. We need to win the war in the heart. Not by force. And it isn't that what we failed to do in Afghanistan? Absolutely. But but here's the thing: the church is what slipped there. But you've got to you've got to say no nation fared as well as Afghanistan did under an imperial boot as Afghanistan did. I mean, I, part, and part, ask part those people right now what they think about it. And right now they're really ruining the day that uh, we 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 threw it all on the ground. And how about the folks coming out of Central America or South America? Why do they flock here? That's, it's, it's really interesting when you look at all the dynamics at play for all the people that want to come to America. And I don't, I don't, have, I don't begrudge them at all. I understand where they're coming from. I would do it. I would do it. Legally. Legally. Yeah, I have a take so, that I, I, I mean, I have a take there that's not going to be. Popular. Well, okay, okay. Let's, 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 let's roll that for another time. Yeah. So, because I want to, we've got to wrap this up. We're yeah. out of time. We've got to wrap this up. Yeah. We've got to wrap this up. So going around the room, uh, chair of politics, Jennifer, mm -hmm. is imperialism immoral? And if the answer is not a yes or a no, what makes a political system moral or amoral or uh, immoral? What a question. Yeah, not necessarily. It doesn't have to be immoral. Um, I think that we have touched on what would make it immoral versus moral, which I think that you articulate very nicely, which is who is it glorifying? And just as my final thoughts, I will say that politically speaking, America has been a success. And theologically speaking, there's moments in its history where it's been successful. You mentioned that we had a, a wonderful missionary movement, missionary movement. Uh, but by and large over the past i would say probably 100 years 
epic failure on the part of Christianity in the American church. I would say that it's more like the last 50 to 60 since the 60s, specifically. Jim Elliott notwithstanding. So those, <laughs> those, those sorts of outbreaks were part of the missionary movement, but they were trailing off. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely agree. And again, uh, who is it glorified? Moving over to the, I'm going to go ahead and throw the chair of theology at Mr. Charlie and Miss Nikki. I want you both to chime in. Does our study of the Bible infer that someone will try to rule over all of man? I'll let you take it because I've taken a lot of time here. That is the human nature, that someone will always try to rule. But remember, in any Christian movement, there is still a leader who leads because it takes a lot of courage to, to lead and to uh, direct people to be obedient to the word, to teach the word, to share the word, uh, to walk in, in the, the spirit of the word. So somebody has to lead. It just depends on what you're leading for, self-glory or glory for God. I'd throw one more thing on. Samuel went to God with the issue about the children of Israel. They wanted a king. And God, Samuel's ready to step in the gap and say, it ain't happening. And God says, let it. From that moment, things changed. Absolutely. Things dramatically changed. So, and if you're a dispensationalist, which, which I think you can go crazy with dispensationalism, okay? So yep. l- let me throw that out there. You, you can go really crazy with that. But if you're a dispensationalist, you realize that God, as slowly over time, allowed man to attempt all of these different versions of self-governance. Yep. Man wants to be ruled and wants to rule. There's a hunger for both. Ooh, and, only, point. and only one can, can truly satisfy one can truly satisfy, and there is a king of kings and a lord of lords whose empire will not be vanquished. He's coming. His name is Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. He is coming. But like the point. until then, man will try to, and Satan, will try to fill the gap with cheap copies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the chair of culture. I think uh, we, we've, we've, we've beaten some of this to death, but uh, let me, let me it needs curveball to be beat to it. Death, L- let me curveball it for a second for you here and just say, and, and ask this. What do we need to change? There's a lot of, you know, we can smell rotten eggs all day long and, and whine and moan, or we can give actionable steps for the church because we've been given a huge opportunity and that window's not closed yet with America. We still have the opportunity to send missionaries to work in indigenous missions, create uh, uh, disciples who will go to that 1040 window and other places in the world. Culturally, as a church, what should we be doing? Change it. Well, first and foremost, we have to approach people with the, the type of wisdom that the Bible tells us to approach people with, which is gentleness. It's, it's easy to be entreated to. It's agreeable. But here's another important thing. And I guess this would be my action step for the church, whether it be a pastor, whether it be your common person in the workplace. You need to say something is wrong and you do not, want, you do not need to agree with everything that somebody says, especially in relation to Christianity and say that certain things are okay and certain things are not okay. I think a passage that we really forget is Matthew seven thirteen through fourteen, and that the that the passage to to have the pathway to heaven it is narrow, it is it is a it is a 
is, straight is the gate. Yes, yeah, it is. It is not a. It is not an easy path. And he says very few will make it. And there's a reason for that. It's because the the standard that we hold, it's not. It's not. It's not biblical. It's it's man centered. It's comparative, but it's not comparative to the Bible. It's comparative to each other. And so, the big thing there being action steps. Say what the Bible says. Actually, say what the Bible says. Open up the word and give people the word. Equip people with the word. Do it yourself do it. with the Equip word. Equip yourself with the word. When how you, often do you? How often do you open? Your Bible. Yes. How often do you open your Bible? Get into the Word. Read a passage like James two fourteen through twenty six, and try and try and tell me that you think people are good, like that. A ton of like people read that passage and then say to me that there is a lot of people in, that are going to be going to heaven. Absolutely. When in fact that and when you look at that passage, it it speaks the complete opposite. It says no, there are a lot of people who are fakes out here. We there's. have a permissive culture in our church that is allowed. It, it, you, yes. you, you ignore my sin, I'll ignore your sin instead of holding each other accountable. And can I say even a bigger step? This is my last action step. Last action step. Like what it says in the book of Corinthians, I was listening to a great sermon on this from Charles Spurgeon. He said, examine yourself. Just as we hold each other, hold each other accountable, ever so more are we to examine ourselves and see in our life and do it scrupulously and see where we come up short and repent and turn back to God. And by the way, every single one of us can afford to do that. Tonight, look at yourself, look at your heart and think about, uh, think about the standard, the law that you can't keep. Now, onto the chair of philosophy, just to wrap this up. We've already talked about it. It's imperialism. It's not moral. It's not uh, immoral. It's amoral. The question is always, what is your purpose and what is your goal? If America is trying to spread freedom, that's not a bad thing. But guess what, church? You better put your boots to the ground. Yes, sir. You better put your boots to the ground. And by the way, that doesn't mean that you have to go to Afghanistan to serve. Are you speaking to people? When was the last time you talked to someone? You can talk to your hostess at a table at the restaurant. You say, look, we're about to pray. Can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? You can start to talk to people, reach out to people. Do people know if tomorrow you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you is the old saying. Guess what? We need to be living that more than ever because time is shorter and shorter. Things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. We're watching our world come into this revelation-esque time frame. We need to be found faithful in the fields. So we've had that opportunity, I think, with a wonderful American imperialism. Okay? I, I would argue that American imperialism has been the least evil, most wonderful. Church, don't squander the opportunity. If you enjoyed this podcast... If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like, comment, share, subscribe, all those good things. Uh, and if you didn't, well, I'm sorry. I hope you have a wonderful day. But go ahead and throw down a comment down there. Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like. If you have an argument that we missed, go ahead and throw it in there. Tell us from which chair you are arguing. We hope you have a blessed week. Love y'all. Yeah. Yay. Also, I think wonderful is kind of a strong word, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
That's getting it edited out. <laughs>